0: sacred space.
1: Welcome back to Sacred Space on West Limerick 102 FM. My name is Shane Hambrose and I'm in studio with John Keeley this morning. And that piece of music that brought us back into the second part of the program this morning is the traditional Catholic, uh, Latin chant from the old, the old Requiem Mass in Paradisium. And it takes us into our reflection on this, uh, November morning, uh, the 31st Sunday in Ordinary Time, as we reflect on the fact that November is very much associated, of course, with being the month of the dead and remembrance of the dead and remembering those who you know, no longer are with us as we go around on our daily lives. And we started it in Paradisium this morning because the tradition, the, the translation of it is one that people would probably be familiar with even though they don't realize it. And it is the, it is the wording that's used for the prayers of final commendation at the end of the Mass, uh, a funeral Mass where the prayer goes out, May angels lead you into paradise. May the martyrs receive you and lead you to the holy city of Jerusalem. May the ranks of angels receive you and with Lazarus, the poor man, may you have eternal life. And of course, November is a very difficult time for many people because, of course, grief and dealing with grief and sadness is not something that becomes easier, I suppose, or simple uh, at any stage. Um, there are, I suppose, two certainties that you know the joke would have been in life: tax, death, and taxes. And at some stage, we must all face the fact that we are going to lose loved ones. Uh, they can go at the end of a long illness, the end of a long life, or they can be taken from us tragically or suddenly, or through death, through cancer. And it's, you know, at this time of the year in particular, I suppose we're asked to remember the dead, but we should also remember those who grieve for the dead. And I'm always very conscious around this time of the year of those in particular who would have, this is their first um, November where they remember someone that's passed. You know, it's never easy. It's never simple. It's something that can be very delicate. And grief, while it can lessen in, in its pain and its intensity. I don't think it ever passes truly from us because, you know, it is something that they're gone from us and they're ripped away from us and it's like we've lost part of our very being. It's la- lost part of who we are. And I suppose one of the, it's one of the reasons why it hurts for people, I suppose, it's because it's a mark of love. And I suppose it's a reminder to us, I suppose, that love is never wasted. You know, no matter what it be, be it the death of a child, or maybe the slow, tormented departure of a dementia of a person that has dementia, you know, you can never say that it, love is a waste. For love is never a waste. You know, the pain of departure, the pain of loss, is only equal to the love we have shared. And to have loved and to be loved in return, is one of the things that makes us truly human. Love is never wasted. You know, each life, no matter how short or the nature of its ending, does not justify the elimination of what is not useful, what is not beneficial. Each of us has a worth in ourselves, not, not defined by the use, but far beyond it. Each person is generally the fruit of the love between their parents. A parent doesn't choose between their children. They'll love each of them equally, if uniquely. Love is never wasted, and to close ourselves off because we were afraid or don't want to experience the pain of loss and suffering is to try and control the uncontrollable. A person who strives to limit the scope for pain is only damaging themselves, damaging their humanity, hurting their very selves at their innermost core. And I think for those that are grieving this uh, November time, and particularly of those where the grief is fresh and the heart is sore and the soul is tormented and we're not quite sure as we face into the darkness of a winter. I suppose that final commendation, when as a community we stand and we say, Saints of God, come to their aid. Hasten to meet them, angels of the Lord. May Christ who called you take you to himself. May angels lead you to the bosom of Abraham. And eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord, and let perpetual shine upon them. That, I suppose, is the prayer that we can only pray as we remember our loved ones this November morn. that was the Teze chant, uh, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And, you know, it's, John, as we reflect, I suppose, on November being um, a month of remembrance. As we call it the month of the Holy Souls and we say it's, you know, the month of remembering our beloved dead. But it's another way of saying it's a month of remembrance. And, of course, um we are, this year, of course, in particular, Remembrance Sunday will take on a special significance because it's the 100th anniversary of the armistice at the end of the First World War. But remembrance is a delicate thing, as we as we know ourselves in our own country, and even in our own communities, in our own families. It's it's because remembrance, can, you know, can be a good and can be a bad experience, in terms of the person that has gone, and. You can never dictate or tell a person, you know, how they should remember in many ways. We can tell a story. We can exchange kitchen conversations as we remember those that have gone, telling the good and the bad, the light and the dark, and remembering that very much. But I suppose one of the other things I think that we need to recall in November is also the reminder to each of us in ourselves that we should sometimes, as they would say, Keep death daily before our eyes. That might sound a little strange, mm-hmm. doesn't it, John? Yeah. You know, it's, 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 it's an interesting one. And recently there has been um, a little surge on the internet about the discussion about this remembering. How might your life be different if every day you reminded yourself that at some stage you will die? Mm-hmm. It's an interesting one, you know. It might seem morbid unhealthy, maybe a bit disturbing Um, but you know it's actually very traditional and it predates even Christianity itself you know St. Augustine wrote that death is the very violence with which body and soul are wrenched asunder but I suppose for us as Christians what we have to remind ourselves is that Jesus has changed the nature of death for those who believe Mm -hmm. and that's why it's so important Before becoming Pope, Joseph Ratzinger once wrote, the sting of death is extinguished in Christ. And that's an important thing, I think, for us to remember. I was away recently and I I was just travelling around and got into conversation with someone and she had recently lost her dad. He lost her dad two years ago. And she was musing on, reflecting on life and death, and how the death of a parent, and particularly one that you were close to, can trigger a review of things in your own life. And her take it all was that death was the end. There was nothing thereafter. For her, there was nothing beyond the grave. And part of me just sat and listened to her story, because, not her story, but where she was at that moment in time. And I didn't really want to engage with her on it, because it was... You could see the pain in her eyes. But for me, I suppose it's such a sad thing, really, that where people see there is nothing beyond death. Because then it's kind of a case of, well, what's the point of it all? And a reminder to us, I suppose, is there's a long standing Christian tradition um, where, in, even in the rule of St. Benedict, uh, that it's important to keep death daily before one's eyes. And it's kind of a challenge. There's a sister that's writing about it at the moment and her name is Sister Teresa Althea Noble and she's a daughter of St. Paul and she's recently written a book on this. What she started doing on Twitter every day was she started posting what were called Memento Mori. And a Memento Mori was something that particularly religious used to have to remind them to keep death before their eyes. That at any moment you could be asked by God to say, well, my son, my daughter... Mm -hmm. How have you lived your life? You know, um, and it's it's an interesting one. It's There were visual reminders. It was a big thing actually during the Victorian age. Uh, it became very much a thing. And a lot of our funeral traditions that we have now and death and dying and black and all that kind of thing are actually Victorian traditions. Um, you know, St. Jerome, St. Mary Magdalene are often shown in paintings with a skull somewhere in the painting as well. There was one of the popes, Alexander VII, and he commissioned one of the artists to make him a coffin that he used to carry around with him and keep in his bedroom. Now, I'm not saying we have to do that. No way. Yeah. Exactly. You know, but the question, I suppose, is, you know, if we're not saying, you know, you have to get a skull. But the challenge for us this November is, you know, it's a time for reflection and contemplation. The winter has come in. We've changed the clocks once more. And I suppose it's a time for us just to think maybe about the bigger things in life and where we're at and what we're doing and you know there was that expression if you were hit by a bus would you be prepared Mm -hmm. and I suppose that's something for us just to reflect on it because you know when was the last time you might have got to confession you know if the Lord decided tomorrow morning he wanted to call you home would you be ready to go you know, pra- you know something of that kind of thing. We're not wanting to be morbid or anything in this, but it's just something for us to think about, because it is the time of the year for it, and particularly in this week where we, you know, we marked All Saints and All Souls. But it's also, I suppose, another thing just to be conscious of that it's, it's an opportunity for us to link with the families that have gone and also with the family that are here now.
2: Yeah. And it just, that leads me nicely into
1: something that I just
2: picked up there earlier um in regard to families and so on and so forth. And I picked it up from amorris.ie. A uh, people might remember that as being very much involved with the, with the world meeting the families. But the thing, the thing that I was thinking about, even as you were saying that there, Shane, I, I think it's so important, two things. November. One, it brings a bit of reality into life. But two, it gives us an opportunity to share with the rest of our families especially the young members of, 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 of our families our belief in what happens after we die and so on and so forth. And I picked up this nice little thing that I, from A minus I, just a few little steps there that maybe we could take in our own little home in our own homes. Maybe invite family members to come together to fill in the, the November altar list for a for deceased. Recently now, actually, we went down we, we went back and we'd done the, we'd done the family tree. We went back about 200 years between Annes uh, and, and my own forefathers and, and mothers. And to, it was letting the, the young kids picked it up actually straight away, because we played that bit of a song afterwards. "We are family." So they understand that we're family. And I think it might be a bad idea. To again resurrect that again within my own family, I so "This listen, you know, in the month of November, you, you remember those guys we spoke about 200 years ago, 100 years ago within the family? They might need our prayers at the moment. Mm. And for them, it's a little bit of reality, maybe, because I've told them the story and because it's in their mind, a bit, we're all connected and so on and so forth. Maybe that's something to start them off and say, there's a small little prayer now for the great-great-granddad and so on and so forth. It might be anything special, it might be some people not, you know, do symbols and so on and so forth, but it might be just a small little prayer, and a small little prayer that I'll just finish off with. It says, Lord, as we remember our loved ones who have left this life, we pray too for our own family and friends still living. Help us to show love and kindness to one another all the days of our lives. Help us also to seek and to offer pardon whenever we hurt one another. Lord hear us and Lord graciously hear us and so on and so forth. But just that uh, th- that whole idea about bringing family into it. Mm.
1: And it's also a reminder, I suppose, for people that, you know, there are families that have died out okay. and that there's no one left to remember them or they have immigrated or there's nobody around. Um, I think myself personally of, uh, in my home village, there was two bachelors. Um, that lived on the main street that had died many years ago at this stage you know, uh, but there's no family left for them. Another one which people mightn't think of actually um, and just to consider is um, when is the last time maybe someone prayed for the priests that were buried in the cemetery around the church um, it's something I, 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 you know, do people think about uh, when you're passing in and out um, now you know, there's some Padres maybe you mightn't want to think about, but that's a different thing. But I suppose it all comes back to this season of remembrance and remembering and remembering and gathering together thoughts and everything else. And reminder to us, I suppose, that for us as Christians, death is illuminated by the life, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because remembering death is more about remembering that Christ has saved us from the death of sin, that there is something we believe beyond. We're not sure what it is. Mm-hmm. We couldn't, you know, might necessarily stake that, you know, want to stake the house in it. We stake our mortal souls in it, you know. But it's something just for us to remember in particular this month. And it was that momentum or more, I think, that just got me thinking about it, you know. So what we're going to play now is we're going to play a little reflection, and it's bannocked, and it's taken from, I think it's taken from uh, Anamkara, I think was the name of the book, uh, by John O'Donohue, And we were actually able to find a version of it on the World Wide Web, as they say, where John O'Donohue is actually reciting it himself. So what we're going to do is we're going to listen to this short reflection, come back for one or two small Reflect thoughts, final thoughts before we close out this part of the programme.
0: In deference to the old Celtic rhythm, I'd like to start with the poem of blessing. Because the Celts had a great sense of the latent sacredness of experience. And um, I suppose they also had a profound natural sense of appropriateness. In other words, that you don't brashly stumble into an experience, but that an experience of significance warrants its own contour and warrants a reverence of approach. And it's very interesting that lyrically and implicitly that these so-called primitive people intuitively had a natural hermeneutics of presence and it was done through blessing and I'd like to read this poem for all of us and for absent friends as well. There's a Gaelic word in the poem called corak and a corak is a canvas boat that people fish from in the west of Ireland, so bannacht. On the day when the weight deadens on your shoulders and you stumble. May the clay dance to balance you. And when your eyes freeze behind the gray window and the ghost of loss gets into you, may a flock of colors, indigo, red, green, and azure blue come to awaken in you a meadow of delight. When the canvas frays and the corrock of thought, and a stain of ocean blackens beneath you, may there come across the waters a path of yellow moonlight to bring you safely home. May the nourishment of the earth be yours, may the clarity of light be yours, may the fluency of the ocean be yours, may the protection of the ancestors be yours. And so may a slow wind work these words of love around you, an invisible cloak to mind your life.
1: And that was John O'Donohue, uh reciting his own Bannacht. Um Something for us just to close out this part of the programme on this uh, November morning, where we remember and call together those who have journeyed before us, um, as the canon of the Mass would say, that are now gone marked with the sign of faith. And for those that are particularly painful this mo- this Sunday morning, be gentle with yourselves as you journey through this time of grief. Know that we are with you and praying for you, and that remembering the words of St. Teresa of Avila, are this too shall pass. To close out the second part of the programme, we're going to listen to the Gregorian chant sung by the Cistercian monks of Stift Hildenkruz, John, I think is how you pronounce it, uh, which is a Cistercian abbey. I think it's in the Czech Republic. I'm glad you're introduced this one. Let's enjoy the music anyway. Exactly.
3: You know me, See you the
0: Sacred Space